0: Good morning, this is John Murtha coming to you from 89.1 FM radio from Lorraine, Ohio, and very happy that you tuned in this morning on this really beautiful autumn day. And uh, we're here at the station in Lorraine, Ohio with the uh, engineer, Wanda Ewing. Good morning. Thank you, Wanda, for coming in every Saturday like this. It's a real blessing. And my good friend and assistant, David Abood. Hey,
1: John, great to be here with you today. David,
0: and as promised, we have yeah. a very special guest with us today, and uh, I'm gonna let David introduce him in sure. a moment. But uh, you know, David, I'm really happy because yeah. of late we've had some really special guests. Oh, you know, we had Dr. Yeah. Mark uh, uh-huh. McDonough, mm-hmm. who's now a plastic surgeon, but he suffered that famous fire in, in Fairview yeah. back in the 1960s, and he became. We have uh, you know, Dr. Sang came on yes. as a psychiatrist, Christian uh-huh. psychiatrist, and uh, but I'm very delighted that who we have today. Oh yeah. And uh, oh, yes. David, why don't you sure uh, do, do the honors of introducing our very uh, special? It's guest.
1: an honor for me to introduce Larry Morrow. Uh, Larry is one of the best-known and respected personalities in Ohio. Mr. Cleveland, proclaimed by Mayor Voinovich in 1979, is also known as the President's Man. When Presidents Carter, Reagan, Bush, and Clinton came to Cleveland, Larry was asked to introduce them. Larry also spent three years on the active duty in the U.S. Marine Corps, and he was later called upon by our government to partake on a special mission for the Pentagon traveling to Vietnam in 1969 at the height of the war. He also brought interviews of Cleveland area boys home for the holidays. During Cleveland's turnaround in 1979, Larry played an important role from his number one rated prestigious morning show, 3WE. Larry made sure that everyone he spoke to, both locally and nationally, knew Cleveland was the greatest city in America to live, work, play, and raise a family. In 1996, Cleveland celebrated its bicentennial, too. At, th- at that time, the largest crowd, 450,000 ever assembled in Cleveland. Larry was asked to MC and introduce the Cleveland Orchestra, President Clinton, and actress Deborah Winger. In 1982, Larry was inducted into Radio and Television Broadcasters Hall of Fame. In 1985, the Cleveland Broadcasters Hall of Fame and the first Ohio broadcaster nominated to the prestigious Radio Hall of Fame in Chicago. Larry has been married to uh, R- Rosary uh, Morrow for 45 years. Their three children are Diana, Donna, and Cynthia, who all live in Chagrin Falls. It is with great pleasure that I introduce Larry Morrow. Great to have you here. Uh, David,
2: thank you. And John, good thank to you. have you. Me, you know, are I got a, a little you.
0: story about Larry real quick before you <laughs> come. It's 1967, I have a 57 Chevy, I'm 18 years old and the radio station is stuck to Wixie 1260 to listen to this man and his song selection. And he huh. brought us through, I think, one of the most tumultuous times yeah. in American history. Yeah. He's going to touch on this, yeah. uh, the 60s. But it's so good to have you, Larry. Just turn the mic over to you.
2: John, John, thank you. David, thank you. And Wanda, oh, what yeah. a pleasure. Yeah. Wanda has this beautiful smile yes. oh, wow. that you should yes. package up and send it yeah. around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. and
1: and my wife, Marilyn, and my sister-in-law just love her voice. And yeah. Yeah, they, they keep telling me to let her talk more and for me to be quiet. I'm trying to do that for now.
2: <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Well, I'm, de- I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much. And then, it was interesting about Wixie 1260. I suppose if you're younger than 50, you won't remember. But Wixie 1260 uh, was a small 5,000-watt uh, radio station when I came to Cleveland. And those those of us who came to work at this station, of course, AM radio was king. Uh, FM yeah. was was uh, these fall-asleep radio stations with beautiful music mm-hmm. and doctor's offices and things. And But um, Wixie 1260 became the rock and roll radio station for Cleveland, mm-hmm. and then we grew very, very quickly, and within 18 months became the number one radio station, beating WHK and, and WKYC, which was 1100 at the time. Mm-hmm. And we became number one and that we had the highest ratings in Cleveland, and then we ended up with the highest AM radio ratings in America. Wow. And a, a big rating today would be, if you have an eight or nine share of the audience, mm-hmm. Wixie had 50 to 80% share. Mm-hmm. It means that 80% of the people, 8 out of 10 people wow. listening turned on to that radio station. Wow. So, yeah, and it was a real pleasure working there. I loved every minute mm-hmm. of it wonderful and I used to there were there were funny things that I did you know good morning everyone it's the duker Larry Morrow I'm here to get your heart to quibble and your liver to bibble. <laughs> <laughs> ain't nothing cooking but the piece in the pot and they wouldn't be cooking if the water wasn't hot <laughs> um, ain't nothing shaking but the leaves on the trees and they wouldn't be shaking if it wasn't for
0: the breeze <laughs> <laughs> so Larry how did you end up in Cleveland go back there and tell us a little about your um, story
2: I worked at a, at a really big station, CKLW, mm-hmm. uh, out of Canada, but it was, it was a Detroit radio station because it was just across the river from Detroit. Not even a quarter of a mile. And I ended up doing the night show there. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, I was so excited to go work there because it's the fifth largest market in, in America. Mm. And so I'm the night guy from 7 to midnight. And the, the night that I'm going on the general manager walked in, he says, We're changing your name from Larry Morrow to Duke Windsor. <laughs> you know, the Duke of Windsor. Yeah. And so I, I had a nickname called the Duker. And I didn't I didn't realize until later on that that my night show from seven to midnight was ranked number one in Cleveland. So when this brand new radio station, Wixie twelve sixty, went on the air, they wanted me to come work for them. And in those days, if a radio station changed ownership mm-hmm. All the announcers were fired. Mm-hmm. They would bring in all the, their own announcers. Right. Unlike that today. So um, they, they bought it, they, they bought, no, RKO, uh, which was a big, big mm-hmm. broadcasting company in America at the time, bought CKLW and we were all fired. And so I was out of a job. Mm-hmm. And so I got a call from Norm Wayne. This is a wonderful story, by the way. Norm Ooh. Wayne, who's the owner and general manager, called me and said, Hey, Duker, we'd love to have you come to Cleveland, Ohio. So I did. And I remember driving down 77 when I came here and I said, I'm not going to stay here. This well, place is ugly. Mm-hmm. I'm getting out of Cleveland as soon as I can. Mm-hmm. But you, you, if you didn't stay at a radio station for a couple of years, you were known as a floater. Mm-hmm. And, a, and no yeah. one wanted to hire a floater. So... Um, I got the job, and when I interviewed for the job, I remember Norm Wayne never asked me my real name, which was Larry Morrow, and so he kept on referring to me, hey, the Duker, we're glad to get the Duker here, Duke Windsor, it's, you know, here in Cleveland, Ohio at our station, it'll be wonderful, Right. so, and I thought, I, every, during the conversation, I kept on thinking, tell him your name, mm-hmm. tell him who you are. But he was so in love with having the Duke or Larry, I mean, Duke Windsor, I was afraid to do it. I needed the job. So uh, when I went on the air, or just before I went on the air, about a week before I went on the air, I was interviewed by Jane Scott. And at that time, Jane Scott was the writer. Uh, everyone read Jane Scott. Rock
0: and roll. Rock yeah. and roll, boy.
2: It was all, yeah. So she interviewed me, and she puts that she puts the story on the front page of the Plain Dealer's action tab, the most important piece on Fridays for people to read. So, um, and then she puts my picture on it, and it said, she asked me during the interview, your, your real name can't be Duke Windsor. <laughs> I said, you're right, it's not. It's Larry Morrow. So she put Wixie 1260 Makes the Duke theirs, and then under that, Larry Morrow. So the program director said, we're, we're gonna have to put you on the air, it's your real name, mm-hmm. since everyone now knows it. So, but the owner of the radio station and the guy that I interviewed with, Norm Wayne, is out of town. So he comes in town in two weeks and he's listening and he wants to hear his new guy from nine till noon at the time. The Duker, Duke Windsor. And, and, he, and he listens, he keeps on saying, who, who, as he said, who the hell is Larry Morrow? So he walks in the station. He actually almost kicked the door in and he opens the door. He opens the door and I said, hey, Norm, how you doing? And that's what he said to me. Who the hell is Larry Morrow? Nobody knows that name. We hired Duke Windsor. And so uh, I said, there was nothing I could do about it. They own that name. You know, it came Mm -hmm. from a different country. And so I said, you're stuck with Larry Morrow. Now, a year and a half later, the ratings come out, and I'm number one. Hmm. And, I, and I wrote a little note to him. I said, Dear Norm, you no longer have to ask, Who the hell is Larry Moore? Yeah. Yeah. That's how I ended up with my real name. And that was wow. your starting point. Yeah, that was yeah. the starting point for me here yeah. in Cleveland.
0: And you came to love Cleveland. You mentioned that in your book. We're going to talk about your book, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But if anybody wants to call in, they may have a question mm. uh, for Larry or a memory that listening have listened to through all these generations, yeah. really. Uh, give a call here at 440 399 three zero four four once more that's four four zero three nine nine three zero four four and if you're having any issues picking us up uh on the radio go and live stream us www.wnzn.org that's wnzn.org okay back to you yeah. larry on
2: so the, the day i arrived in cleveland i turned on the television and in those days there was no fm radio mm. And there was no extra TV. It was 3, 5, and Mm 8. channels. 3, 5, and 8. That's all you got. 43 and 19 came later. But, uh, so I turned on Channel 3. I didn't like what I saw. It was like a war going on, like fighting. The whites and the blacks were fighting. And I thought, I don't like that movie. So I turned over to Channel 5. And I thought, that's interesting. Same movie. And so because I'm a slow learner, I turned on to Channel 8. And it was the same movie. It was the Huff Riots. I arrived in Cleveland Mm. on the most embarrassing black-eye day that Cleveland had had at that point in time. And I I decided, I fell in love with the people of Cleveland in a very short period of time, decided I didn't want to go to New York, Chicago, Mm. or L.A., and I wanted to stay in Cleveland. So I put a sign on my door that said, Cleveland, Ohio is the greatest city Mm. in America to live, work, play, and raise a family. Wow. And I stayed here for 40 years, believing in that and, and loved it. And it turned out to be, for me, a, a incredible career. Mm. And I love
0: the people of Cleveland. Mm. You've been great for Cleveland, too. Oh, I mean, yeah. we're going to go over just some of the people that you've come to know and introduce and connect with uh, to really put Cleveland on the map as, as you say, the best location mm. in the nation. And uh, yeah. just share them. Uh, I know as you go along through the 60s and, uh, a little about your spiritual journey as well as your professional journey, Larry, mm-hmm. and just share what you would like in your story because I don't think a lot of our listeners realize it. Yeah. They know your voice, mm-hmm. and they've seen you on television, but they may mm-hmm. not know your story. Yeah.
2: Well, the, the Mr. Cleveland thing came from uh, George Voinovich. Uh, during his reign from 79 to 89, during the turn, we called it the Great Turnaround, where the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame the three sports stadiums, and the Science Center, he really turned Cleveland around. George Vointhe was responsible for that. And my job, uh, being on a committee of 50 people called the Turnaround Committee, my job was to make sure that no one nationally said terrible things about Cleveland. And if you did, I would go get him. And I remember John Davis, remember the singer John Davis Yeah. He was on the Johnny Carson show, and I'm watching one night, and Johnny Carson said, Where are you traveling to next? He said, I'm going to the front row theater in Cleveland, Ohio. And Johnny Carson said, well, isn't Cleveland, Ohio, the end of the world? And John John didn't know what to say. He said, well, it's not the end of the world, but it's the next step. So I thought, oh, John now. And, And the sad part for John is I'm going to introduce him at the front row. Oh, yeah. So now, John, I called John the very next day. And I said, hi, John, it's Larry Morrow. I just want to welcome you to Cleveland I said, we're all excited, you know, to have you come here. You're sold out. 3,000 people will see you. And I said, by the way, John, I was watching Johnny Carson the other night, and you could almost hear his voice going, oh, no. And I said, what did you mean when you said that Cleveland is not the end of the world, but you can see the end of the world from Cleveland? And then he humbly apologized and said, I am so sorry. I got hung up on the moment. Johnny yeah. Carson threw that out. Oh, yeah. And so then when he came here and I introduced him, uh, he walks out and he puts his arm around me and he apologized again to the city of Cleveland. Wow, that's, that's and, nice. uh, so, yeah. that, so that was my job is that if you, if you embarrassed anyone, um, you embarrassed our city in any way, shape or form, I went after you. And being on 1100, you know, being the largest radio station at that time in Cleveland, and one of the top 25 in America, you know, we had yeah. we had big audiences. Mm-hmm. So that was how that's where the Mr Cleveland mm-hmm. thing came from. And so when I when I interviewed George one day, he said, By the way, do you know how many people in the history of Cleveland have been given the title Mr. Cleveland? I said no. He said, Two. You are now the third. So by mayoral proclamation I now name you Mr. Cleveland. Oh, wow. Is that right? Oh, so it is great. a moniker that I wear well and I'm so it, it's um honored that's, to
0: have that. Who are Wonderful. the other two? Yeah.
2: Uh, one of them did, just died recently. I can't remember his name and I don't know who the first one okay, was. I, 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 that yeah. goes before my time yeah. <laughs> okay
1: Well so you know in terms of your background and your faith walk, how did that all start? you know we were talking in the car yeah. about how you were Catholic we were all server boys yeah you know can you tell that story a little bit Yeah I yeah. Uh,
2: it, it started out uh, uh, of course being a Catholic and yeah. and I uh, was a strong Catholic. Uh, Friday night, uh, go to, and go to um, the priest hear yeah. your sins, and go to yeah. confession. Saturday, I mean, Sunday communion with the family and stuff. And so, and we prayed the rosary. Mm-hmm. So one day, uh, we, and I'm, I'm on the committee to yeah. really promote at this time Playhouse Square. Uh-huh. And we get a call uh, that the show, the biggest show in New York is coming to Cleveland, which was Jacques Brel is alive and well and living in Paris mm-hmm. and I was asked to introduce the show mm-hmm. and so I introduced the show and I mentioned to the audience and I said you know I have to leave now because I get up at 2.45 in the morning to do my morning show and I said so I can't stay here late because I'm on the air tomorrow morning but I will come and see the show over the weekend. So I introduced the show and the next day I get a call from a friend of mine by the name of Joe Abraham and at that time Joe was the sports director out mm-hmm. of Baldwin Wallace. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Joe said, uh, By the way, I think we should get together. And I said, Well, why is that, Joe? He said, Well, believe it or not, I look so much like you that <laughs> that's when, that's you. when you, <laughs> after you left, I ended yeah. up uh, assigning about seven or eight autographs. And he said, I said, Well, you, come on. Number one, you don't look like me. No one looks like me. I have a nose that nobody has, <laughs> and and so and so. Joe know. said, "No, Larry, I'm telling you." He said, "I, lo- I he said I have long hair. I have a nose like you, and I signed all these autographs." <laughs> and he said, "I think we should get together. You're from Detroit. I'm from Detroit. You went to Michigan. I went to Michigan." Um, he said, I-, "I live near, very close to Detroit, where you lived. You're Lebanese. I'm Lebanese. We should get together." And I said. Okay, I said, I'm giving a talk out at the Parmatown Shopping Center, and I said, "If you, why don't you come on out, and, and if you look so much like me, I will have no problem recognizing you. That's exactly what happened. I looked out amongst the people, and I said, that's got to be Joe Abraham. So Joe <laughs> said, um, he said, I would get, like to get you to know you better. So I'm giving a talk at Baldwin Wallace at 8 o'clock in the morning on this one Saturday. He said, I'd love to have you come out and be my guest and hear me talk, and I said, <clears throat> I said, I'd love to do that. And I said, but Joe, I live in Chagrin. You're in Baldwin, Wallace. That's a long way from my house. Plus, I have to introduce the Indians today for the opening day, mm. for the opening game. <clears throat> and he said, well, why don't then, if you can, why don't you come out on Friday night and listen, you anyway, know, you and I will play Motown songs on the piano. <laughs> Baby, I need Joe <laughs> Lovin'. So I said, okay. So I came out on Friday night and... Uh, to, to spend the evening and we did play the Motown songs and then he said um, he said How about your faith he said what's your wife's name he said it's Rosary isn't it and I said yes he said well do you say the Rosary and I said of course I said I'm strong Catholic we honored you know the the mother of yeah. Jesus and say the Rosary and he reached over and he pulled out his Bible and he started to read from the Bible He's was reading from John uh, 13 and 14 which was uh uh, a time when Jesus uh, met with the, the apostles for the Last Supper. Mm-hmm. And he started to read, and and then he, he said, uh, when Jesus was talking to the apostles, he said, I'm going to go away, and I'm going to go to my father's house, and I will come back and get you. But there are many mansions in my father's house, and I'm ad living through this. I'm not doing this word for word. But he said, I will go away and prepare a place for you, and come back and get you. Mm-hmm. And you know the way. And Thomas said... Jesus, I don't know the way, and Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. No one comes to the Father but by me." Yes, and and at that time, I said, "Joe, would you repeat that?" He repeated it.
1: Yeah, it
2: changed my life wow. just forever. Wow. I realized that wow. at this time, I would walk into a Catholic church and pray to statues. Wow, I'd walk up to the statue of Joseph and yeah. and, and Mary, Mary. Yeah. and and yeah. I'd pray to these statues. I know, and yeah. so it hit me. I didn't have to pray to these statues anymore that, that the person that was going to lead me to heaven would be my relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. So now the problem for me was how do I explain this to my wife Mm -hmm. and to my children? Mm -hmm. So I go home and I said, Rosary, uh, I think we need to change. She said, change to what? I said, well, I met this guy by the name of Joe Abraham and this is what Joe said. She said, don't you bring that Joe Abraham guy around. And you know, today Joe is my, the, the, my favorite friend of the world, mm-hmm. and so um, so then it started with me going to Bible studies immediately with Joe, and with just Joe and myself in these Bible studies again. And it was before he became the senior pastor at uh, at his church, mm-hmm. you know, Scranton Road Bible Church, mm-hmm. and uh, and I couldn't believe what I was learning. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm reading the Bible now. I realize that there was an Old Testament, yeah. there were two chapters, yeah. chapter one and chapter two, because <laughs> right. I had only, not read, but I had only only heard anything from the, the, yeah. new, the yeah. new Testament. Right. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what a story, and how Jesus was revealed in the Old Testament in so many different places. And, and then one day, Rosary said, I would go to bed at night and I would say, Rosary, listen to this, I would read from the uh-huh. Bible. Yeah. And she would say, look, you do your thing, And I'm going to do more. Wow. Yet we went, we continued to go to a Catholic (laughs) church, went to communion, but I looked at everything differently. Mm -hmm. So uh, one day she said to me, "Uh, guess what I did today? I said, what? She said, I went to the uh, BSF Bible study. Wow. Bible was a Bible study fellowship or something? Mm -hmm. And she went to that Bible study for seven years. Mm -hmm. And I would watch her during the week, do her homework, writing out her lessons, and then, now we fast forward another seven years, and she said, would you go to bed a little early tonight? And I said, why, honey? And she said, well, uh, she said, I've got some girls coming over. And I said, well, it was no problem getting me to go to bed early, because I got up so early yeah. in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I said, what are the girls coming over for? She said, I'm starting to teach the Bible tonight. Wow. Mm-hmm. So for 20 oh, wow. years, Rosary led a Bible study in our house. Wow. And the girls who came over were all Catholics. And they mm-hmm. learned from us that there was an Old Testament, yeah. you know, that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. Yes. So that's my story. Mm-hmm. So, so you didn't what a really wonderful attack! Story. It. Oh, it you didn't
0: attack how you were raised, but you showed how yes. the fullness of yeah. Christ. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I
2: never had to, to do that. And another and another reason I wanted to learn the Bible is my daughter once, one of my twin daughters, we were coming home from church at Jesu, when we were Catholics, and she said, "Dad, um, who's Paul?" That's well, Paul was the apostle, yeah. But he wasn't an apostle to begin with. And I'm lost. Oh, I had no idea, you know, that that he wasn't the, the uh, an mm-hmm. apostle to begin with. Sure. That he replaced Judas, right? I didn't know that story. And then she says, "But I, I'd like to know who Paul is." I was so ashamed. Mm-hmm. That I didn't know the story because mm-hmm. I had never read about it. Mm-hmm. The priest tells you what you need to hear, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't yeah. know the story, mm-hmm. and so I told Rosary. I said Rosary, we we need to do something about it. Again, this is before I came a Christian, mm-hmm. so we sent him to, of course, that we sent him to, a Christian, not Christian, but we sent him to studies of the Catechism, and <laughs> through the Catholic Church. Okay. And, uh, and, and then we kind of laugh about it now because all of my daughters are all believers. and they, Wonderful. So that's, yeah. but it was a great story on, on how, um, and, and, and to, be, to be very honest with you, and I know Catholics are listening, this is not to put the Catholic no. church down right. at all Mm-mm. because Catholic is a word that means universal. Right. Because we all, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God mm-hmm. and he is the way, the truth, and the life, then you're a believer. You may go to Catholic right. Church, and you may go to communion, but if that's what you believe, it's a different story. Right. Amen. Yeah, amen. Yeah. So
0: so today, I know, I, I often listen to you because you do the leading on the devotionals and the sermons for Alistair Begg. Yes. That's very well done. So that's really influenced that solid teaching through the yeah. years for you and your yeah. faith. Explain I did that. the importance of Scripture, Bible, mm-hmm. and just getting that on a regular basis in the way.
2: Well, when I got a call one day, I listened to Truth For Life. Yeah. Uh, and at that time Alistair was on about thirty stations, I believe. And Alistair called me one day and said he'd listen to me in the radio and would would I be would I come over and talk to him mm-hmm. about, you know, representing Truthful Life. And he said, I just want you to do the introduction, the open, introduce me in the close. Mm-hmm. And I was honored. I couldn't believe it, you know. I said, Wow and he said, And let's let's build it and uh and so it was not let's build it, was really you build it, and I would just be the announcer. <clears throat> I apologize, I'm, I'm having coffee, and, and if if, when I'm on the air, if my throat is not totally clear, I tend oh, to yeah. do this, so I, I apologize. So, mm-hmm. uh, I became the voice for Truth mm-hmm. For Life, mm-hmm. and then I did it for 15 years, and then Alistair made a change of announcers, and but in those 15 years, he had gone from 30 radio stations to all over the world. Wow. Yeah, so it's a ministry all over the world, yes. and and i just believe i've never i've never heard anyone
0: like alistair.
2: it's great. Teacher. and it just and, and he's so gifted and uh and i'm i'm i was thrilled to have been the voice for that.
0: yeah. Larry, can you tell us uh the sweep of your career, some of the people that you've met uh who impressed you, what struck you as like a surprise element. i know you've met presidents and rock stars mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. celebrities. but through it all, i mean, who impressed you or influenced you or Inspired you. I mean, there were was, three. Okay, yeah. there were three,
2: <laughs> and it started with uh, it started with a, a friend of mine. I was best man at his what His name is Pete Gideon. Pete became the promotion man for Decca Records. Decca Records was one of the bigger labels in, in the world, mm-hmm. and uh, Pete and I had become friends. We're both from Detroit, and then Pete, his career blossomed <clears throat> when he went national, mm-hmm. and then he called me one day and he said, Larry. Uh, he said, there's a, a television show, which I'm sure you're familiar with. It's called Telly Savalas. Remember Telly Savalas? Sure. And I can't remember what the show was called. Kojak. Kojak. Yeah. And he said, Telly Savalas is an intellectual. And Telly's favorite line on the show was, I'm the one who loves your baby. Right. I remember that. And so so Telly, <laughs> Telly had come up with an came up um, with an album called, <clears throat> I'm the one who loves your baby. On Decca. Okay. So Pete called me and he said, I'm bringing, uh, I'm taking... Tally around, and he said, and he's only going to do one interview, on radio and one on television. I'd like to have you do the radio in Cleveland, and I said, oh, that'll be great. And he said, but I want you to know something. He's an intellectual, and he's a very smart guy. And if he gets bored with the interview, he walks out. And I said, oh, no pressure there. I said, I'm not sure I want to do it. Right. So he said, do your homework. So I did my homework. I knew all of his movies. I knew the actor. I mean, I knew the names that he played. And so he comes in town and I, and I'm really worried mm-hmm. and I'm, I get really nervous at that time because what happens if he gets up and walks up to the mm-hmm. interview? Mm-hmm. So I decided not to do it live. He decided to tape the interview. Mm-hmm. So I thought Telly was like six foot five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and people who are short like me, I'm five eight. Mm-hmm. So people who are short like me. You look up to these guys and tall guys get the order all the mm-hmm. time. Right? So, I'm up on the second floor. The limousine pulls up. I look out over, and there's that bald head. And I said, oh, no, man, i got to interview this guy. He's got to be six foot five And he walks in the station. If you remember the show, he always had a sucker in his mm-hmm, mouth. Right. The reason for the sucker was on the show, he was trying to stop smoking. So every time he had a desire for a cigarette, oh. he put a sucker in his mouth.
1: Oh, there you go. It was wonderful. So he yeah. walks
2: into the station, and I had everyone at the station, we had 35 people with a sucker in their mouth. He thought that was funny. Now here's the best part. I looked at Telly. He's five foot six. Oh. I'm taller than he is. I said, "You shrimp." <laughs> I didn't say that to him. Yeah. But now that whole tall thing is gone. Yeah. So the sucker, but he laughed, and right. and so now we get in the studio and we're getting voice checks like mm-hmm. we did this morning, yeah. Wanda. Yeah. And uh, I said, Telly, before we start, I said, I want you to know that we have something in common. Mm-hmm. He said, "What's that?" I said you have a good friend by the name of Paul Anka and he said yes and I said Paul's a good friend of mine too and I said here's what you don't know Paul's father was Italian but his mother was born in Aleppo Syria he said I didn't know that I said your dad is Greek and your mother was born in Aleppo Syria he said yeah that's right and I said my dad's French and my mother was born in Aleppo, Syria. He went like this, get up. I got up, he gave me a big hug, he said, we're family. <laughs> the interview went on that's for good. over an hour and he wow. wouldn't stop talking. Wow. And I knew every movie. He brought up, I brought, he brought up this movie and I said, yeah. oh yeah, you played pilot. And, yeah. and it, so it went well and I ended up loving telly and we had a relationship.
1: Oh, yeah. that's great. Uh,
2: the second one was Barbara Walters. Uh, I had, I've been asked to emcee an event at the Front Row Theater. And I can't remember exactly what it was called. But it was the Front Row Speaker Series. And Barbara Walters, at that time, the most important woman on Mm -hmm. the face of the planet. Big time. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'm in the green room ready to introduce her. Mm -hmm. We have 3,000 people out there waiting. And so uh, Barbara comes in. And very, very pretty. One time she was a New York bunny. A very very pretty girl very shapely and gorgeous so she walks in and she says, oh you must be Larry and before we do the interview I have to call my office in New York I'll be right with you and I only got about 12 minutes to interview her so she goes off the phone quickly she walks over and I'm waiting to interview her because yeah. I need her yeah. voice for my show Absolutely. she said okay she said, You know everything about me, so let's talk about you. And I thought that, no, 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 no. She said, So are you married? And I said, Yes, my wife's out there. she's sitting waiting to see you. She said, Well, tell me, what's her name? And I said, Rosary. She said, Oh, that's a pretty name. Do you have children? So she took all of my time wow. talking about me and wow. my wife. Wow. And I fell in love with Barbara Walters. And so yeah. I didn't, so I I walked out and said, ladies and gentlemen. I said, I can tell you a lot about Barbara, but I'll let her tell you. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's good. Barbara Walters. And then after that, we, we did a few interviews after that, and I ended up loving Barbara yeah. Walters. So she was, of, of, of all the people, there were three, of course, Telly and Barbara, and then the third one was President Reagan. Okay. And President Reagan, I connected with President Reagan just by him looking at me and saying, thank you, Larry, for introducing me. And then I ended up introducing him the second time when he came to Cleveland, is that right? And I just loved him. There's just something mm-hmm. special about that man, that I knew that he was a believer, and he was, of course, the most important guy on the face of the planet. It's not, it's not, not bad to introduce that guy for your show. Yeah. And uh, so those were the three most important people I ever interviewed. And he wasn't I mean all spirited. Of he wasn't
0: mean spirited, was he? I mean, even in opposition, no. The you know, and just it's
2: just those are things that you can feel. Yeah. And somehow I was able to feel the love and the caring for people mm. that Reagan yeah. had, yeah, like a and project. just yeah. just in moments, and and those are things that you can feel. Yeah. And he had that look on his face. Of course, he was a big guy, and uh, you know, six four or six five, and and I thought that when I saw him, I thought when you see him on television, you know, big wide yeah. shoulders, uh-huh. and he played yeah. Newt Rockney, remember? Yeah. Sure. And so I thought he was a big football player. He was thin, mm. and maybe. Because the first time I met him, he had probably became thinner after yeah. he, he was shot. And he all what a lot of people don't know is that he almost died.
0: Yeah, he almost died. Yeah, he, was yeah. that he almost died from that bullet. <clears throat> he, and you know what he said when they were rolling him into the uh, emergency room for surgery? He looked up at the doctors and what did he say? I hope you're all Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> John, I didn't know that, but that's <laughs> yeah. great.
2: I love that. Yeah, there was a, you know there one of my very, one of my favorite verses out of the New, New Testament. Was Romans ten nine, mm. uh, and this had an in- impact on my life. Uh, when Paul said, um, uh, "Give me a second here." Uh, when you confess with your mouth that yeah. Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Right. Yeah. It's with your heart that you believe that you are justified, meaning mm. may be made right with God. But it is with your mouth that you confess that you are saved. That's my favorite of the New Testament. And the reason for that was I'm Mm -hmm. on the air and I knew that every time I opened up the microphone there were 450,000 people Mm. listening. So I thought, how do I express my faith? How do I get to Paul 10.9 without saying I'm a Christian? Mm -hmm. And the only time that uh, in all of my 40 years on the air in Cleveland that I had any negative thing written about me was Uh, It was a story that Madonna, who was the most uh, popular female singer in the the world at that time, um, she had gotten a divorce from her husband and said, we don't need men. So she said, I'm going going to pay a man a million dollars to impregnate me, because we don't need men. Well, the girl that I'm working with on the air, Sally Spitz, it was called Larry and Sally in the Morning, she had the same thing happen to her. So she said... um, Let's discuss on the air today, Larry, that, that women really don't need men. And I said, very difficult for me because I, I feel just the opposite of that. But we go on the air, and all morning long, for three hours, we took calls from women uh, about how they felt. And it was pretty even about, yes, we do need men. No, we don't need men. So at the end of the day, Sally said, we haven't heard from you. How do you feel? And I thought, be careful yeah. You know about, about expressing your faith. All I said was, uh, Sally I believe that every child deserves a mother and a father the next day on the front of the plane dealer I get ripped really because for mm-hmm. expressing my faith
1: oh gosh
2: and And so I called the writer, and I said could we go to lunch and I went to lunch with the writer and I told him how I felt and So from that relationship. I, I said I want you to come onto to my house I want you to see the way I live the kind of woman I married to, mm-hmm. and why I I said what I said. He came out to my house. I took him for a ride, and at that time I had a 1958 Corvette, had the top down. We went we went for a ride. He ended up doing an interview with me. It was the most wonderful interview ever written about me. Hmm. He had a picture of him sitting on my back deck with my dog and stuff, and so, so from that time of saying, I believe that every child deserves a mother and a father. Mm-hmm turned out to be a really positive. Wonderful.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's two things on my mind. The first one is, what was one of your biggest challenges in life, and how did your faith help you get through it?
0: Oh,
2: uh, that was probably, I think, I the story that I just mentioned. Was that it? Okay. That was probably it, because I always wanted people to know how I felt. Yeah. You know, the, the way, how I felt about Jesus Christ, how I expressed my faith. And, and I wanted everyone to believe the same way that I believed. And I knew that wasn't possible. I mean, if you, if you have 450,000 people listening and you go through all of them, they all obviously they don't all feel the same way that you do, right? sure. Yeah. You know, have a lot of Jewish people listening and on and, and on and on, on. So that comment, uh, and Jesus set it up. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew that Jesus set it up. That comment of, I believe that every child deserves a mother and a father, that set off. A series of events that was able that allowed me to express my faith and then I think that Alistair Begg calling me mm-hmm. and saying would you be the voice for truth sure. for life yeah and I remember feeling I and I've been very careful to express this when I did interviews that I couldn't believe that Jesus was using my voice for this mm. that started in mm-hmm. Cleveland around the world because it really wasn't my but it was really the preaching of Alistair Begg
0: Still, but, yeah, but hey, for right. him
2: to choose me to do that, right? And I thought, Lord, thank
0: you, yeah. You know, Absolutely. Larry, that reminds me of Psalm yeah. 6811. It says, The Lord gave the word, great was the company of those that published it. Yes, so God gave mm-hmm. you the word, and yeah. yes, you not published but broadcast it. Yeah, but speaking about publishing, you have a book out, do you not? I did, yeah, maybe you can tell. And, and about the book that. is,
2: um, I think the book is what, what it's interesting how uh, the book came about is, uh. I was teaching leadership development, mm-hmm. and I was working at the Cleveland Clinic, um, and it was called—it was it just called teaching leadership to the presidents of the hospitals and their teams, mm. and executive communications and stuff like that. And so, um, one day, uh, I get a call from Fred DeGrandis. I don't know whether they you know him or not. Really popular guy. he yeah. Said so i want you to start working yep. with the presidents of the hospital. And the first president that I was interviewing was a guy by the name of Jeff Leimdurber. He was the president of Fairview Hospital. And we're, and before I started interviewing him, uh, and chatting with him about the hospital and how we would go about training his people, him and his people, uh, he said, you know, can I stop for just a second? And I said, yes. He said, I listen to you every day on Truth For Life. He said, and I can't believe I'm sitting, that you're sitting in front of me. And I said, let's pray. <laughs> yeah. And then and, uh, it was shortly thereafter, we became pals. And then shortly thereafter, because of that personal relationship of having that same relationship with Jesus Christ, I called him one day and I said, would you be my prayer partner? He hmm. said, what's a prayer partner do? And I said, I don't know. I said, but I don't have one. I said, why don't, why don't we become partners and let's get together once a week and pray for each other and our families. And pray that our Lord would use us, you know, to take mm-hmm. to take the message. And and so that was since two thousand five. Wow. So here we are, seventeen or eighteen years later, still getting together once a week
0: and praying for our families.
2: Oh, wow, that's beautiful. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. That's, yeah. good. that's good. that was a, that was, yeah. so that was a major turning point in my life. Wonderful. And
0: I know your Vietnam experience when you went over there. Yeah,
2: yeah that that came that came as a surprise. Wixie twelve sixty was doing promotions that we weren't that I wasn't proud of promotions like the big bus contest mm-hmm. so we would ask all these girls to come down the public square and and they would they wouldn't expose their bus but they would they were being judged and who had the biggest bus uh-huh. and i thought ah but that was Wixie 1260. and then then we did a, another contest with the miniskirt had become really mm-hmm. popular mm-hmm. and so then we would have a contest you know, have all these girls come down to public square with your short skirts on, put them up on a, we had a a 12 foot platform. And then here are all these girls running around with mini skirts and all these young 16 and 17 year old boys looking up. And I thought, Oh, and, and, but they were popular, you know, 10,000 kids would show up and that was Wixie. So, um, so one day, uh, the radio station said you know we've been doing all these promotions and we don't get any respect in the paper he said larry you were a marine i said yes and and he said there are 220 cleveland area kids over in vietnam we think it would be a great idea that if you went over to interview them uh and then bring the interviews home and play them on on the air for thanksgiving and christmas it will then tell our audience that we're a much different radio station and they said, since you're so popular with our audience and being a Marine, you're gonna go. And I said, well, nobody wants to go to Vietnam. It was the height of the war. Sure. And, and I said, by the way, I don't think we're gonna get permission. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna allow a civilian to go over there. And they said, yeah, but you were a Marine. I said, yeah, but I was a Marine. You know, the, you're, I'm out of uniform yeah. now. So uh, we tried everyone, our congressman, the governor, the senators, we couldn't get permission to go. So one day, I get a call from the Pentagon. It said, "Is this Lawrence Morrow?" And I said, "You must be special because no one has called me Lawrence since I was born." And and he said, um, my, "I'm Colonel Melton. I'm in charge of the armed services in Vietnam. President Ray, uh, President um, Nixon would like an end of this war, and it had it, you know, it had become the Vietnam." war where it was the most unpopular war Mm -hmm. where our our servicemen came back from the war Mm -hmm. and they were spat upon if you can remember. Mm -hmm. So it was a very unpopular war Mm -hmm. and very unpopular for our servicemen. So uh, President Nixon wants an end of the war and so somehow your request to go to Vietnam has entered my desk. So we're going to send you to Vietnam as a military man and you'll interview all the Cleveland area kids. We'll tell you exactly where they are and at the same time, you're to ask every single person you meet how they feel about the war. Make that confidential report back to me when you leave Vietnam. And he said, we're gonna send you over there for a month. Well, I get my papers from the Pentagon and they're addressed to Major <laughs> Lawrence DeMauro. Well, there's a big difference between corporal and major. Yeah. <laughs> so I called I called the Pentagon back and I said, <laughs> I said, I think you've made a terrible mistake. You've made me an officer. And they said, Colonel Milton will explain to you when you get to Saigon. So I get to Saigon and uh, I get handed my uniform and had the gold leaf, the major on him. And I said, why major? And they said, because when you're traveling around Vietnam, if you're just a a normal, a corporal, a a private, a PFC or a sergeant or something like that, Mm. they'll kill you Mm. if you get captured. If you're an officer, they'll negotiate to get you back.
1: Wow. You know, one oh,
2: for wow. one, as yeah. they said, yeah. 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 And so, and so there I was, Gosh. a major. Wow. So that's so. That's now sweet. I did the interviews. Mm-hmm. The uh, I did the interviews, and I remember uh, there were so many wonderful stories about Vietnam, but the one that I remember the most is um, just just like MASH. Mm-hmm. You walk through the green doors mm-hmm. with the red with the red cross on. Them. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple tape recorders. And then most of the kids that I was interviewing, mm-hmm. they knew Larry Morrow from Wixie 1260. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so when I would walk in, they would say, hey, the Duker's here from the world. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, when you're in the service, they refer to everything out of the service as the world. You know, America
0: was the world. Yeah. yeah,
2: when are you going back to the world, man? So um, I walked through these, these green doors with the Red Cross, took about five steps, didn't realize what I had walked into and I had to turn around and come back and and refocus mm. because I, I didn't realize the sign on, this, on the sign, I mean the sign on, this, on the side of the door said amputee section. Mm. So I walk in and mm. now I'm going to talk to guys with no arms and legs and I'll never forget the one guy that I interviewed said, Larry, I'll do the interview, but you can't tell me mom and dad that I lost my arm. Because when I get home, I want to show them my new prosthetic arm. Oh.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What bravery! Wow, yeah.
1: And so then Rosary and I
2: and I made a and I made agreement with everyone I interviewed that when you came back from Vietnam, call me and I will take you to lunch. Oh. Some did, many did not, but there were the the day that the Vietnam Memorial opened in Washington mm-hmm. D.C., Rosary and I went, and and I wanted to be there for that, and there were two or three names on that board Mm. that those men that I had interviewed didn't make at home.
0: Mm. So I was
2: able to reach up and touch their names and pray. And so, but that experience in Vietnam uh, cemented my relationship with Cleveland forever. So it wasn't about interviewing the president of the United States Mm -hmm. and it wasn't about the turnaround in Cleveland. It was about Larry cared for us. And that, and that, and then that, that relationship of the sign that I had on my door, the um, that this is the greatest city in America to live, work, mm-hmm. play, and raise a family, mm-hmm. went full circle. Mm, and so correct. my relationship yeah. with the city of Cleveland was based on how I loved them, mm-hmm. how I cared for them, and how they felt about me.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Larry, many people think that, and you have a good perspective perhaps on this, that Northeast Ohio, Greater Cleveland... Is, is, is perhaps going to experience a spiritual revival or there's this this kind of undercurrent out there where uh, I'm thinking of the prayer of the big that happened at the Cleveland State University mm-hmm. before the uh, Republican yeah. thing came in yeah, and all right. this other but there's this what are you what's your sense of it you get around quite a bit
2: th- well there's a great story um, uh, I agree with you by mm-hmm. the way uh, and maybe because I hang around a lot of Christians, but I'm around a lot of people who are not Christians mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Because they do, I'll, I will do maybe 15 or 20 events a year where there are uh, lots of people. Mm. And uh, but, but when the Republican National Convention was in town, I went. I didn't go there. I couldn't get a ticket to go inside. And I didn't want to go inside. Yeah, but. but I went to dinner on 4th Street. And there was a, um, I went to dinner with, with three people who were non-believers. Mm-hmm. Two of them were Jewish and then another one. But they were dear friends of mine and we went on 4th Street. And 4th Street, just in case you haven't been there, is the most popular street in downtown. Mm-hmm. All the popular restaurants are there and on and on and on, on, on. So, um, you when I'm on 4th Street that evening, normally there are about two or three people walking down, the, I mean, walking down that little boulevard. That night, you couldn't walk. You couldn't do anything. And then there was a, a, a group of Christians on each end of 4th Street. Mm-hmm. What on Euclid and the other one on whatever that other Prospect. street is. Prospect. And they had big speakers out there and and they were pro- professing Jesus Christ. But you couldn't hear. They had the great big speakers as you know, Jesus Christ is the way. And, <laughs> and, 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 and so I said, somebody's got to talk to them about turning this down. <laughs> So they said, and I told our table, I said, I'm going to go talk to them. They thought, oh yeah, that'll do, that'll be no good. So I went up to the guy and he's, and he's yelling in the microphone about Jesus is the way. And I said, look, I said, I'm born again. And I said, I know the way, the truth and the life. And And I kept on telling the guy that all of a sudden he reaches up and he turns them down. And he actually turned them off. So now I walk back to the table. Again, there had to be the people that knew I went up there, maybe about 15 or 20 people. And they started clapping. Ah. And they said, how in the world did you get them to turn it down? I said, all I said was, I'm a believer too. I know the way, the truth, and (laughs) the life. I'm a Christian. I know Jesus Christ. That's funny. funny. That was great. Now, speaking of the revival, I sense it. Hmm. Um, But then again, you know, I'm around a lot of people who are believers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. And uh, I don't get called upon ever to, for the most part, share my faith with Uh non-believers. I wish that were true, but I I don't really get that opportunity. You're doing it right now. But you don't don't know. I I gave the talk when I met the Mm -hmm. two of you a few weeks ago. My talk was, what was it I knew when I grew up? What was it I didn't know? What was it I know now? Yeah. And so... But you know that there are men, even even when I go to church, I know that all those people who are at church to hear Alistair speak, there are twenty two hundred people there. I know they're not all Christians. Right. Yeah. I just know Maybe. they're not. Yeah. Because that happened to Rosary and I when we started to go to church parkside. We weren't Christians. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, when I walked down I said, Where's the crucifix? Yeah. Where are the statues? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah i
1: did the right.
0: same thing yeah, yeah we, we just didn't know and yeah. yeah you know where you came from and, and how you accepted jesus christ and how god has opened these doors and given you high favor larry it's really mm-hmm. a great yeah. a great story mm-hmm. yeah you know and i think your voice going out there to tell people the simplicity yeah. of what it means to receive christ to as yeah. many as is you know mm-hmm. received him to them he gave the power to become a child of god right. john chapter oh, one you yeah. know the simplicity of the gift of salvation. And I don't
2: think that people understand if they only thought about it for a second, and that's to all the faiths that are listening Mm -hmm. today. If they only understood uh, the incarnate man, that Jesus is God, Mm -hmm. and that he came down here and and went through the most disastrous and painful death that Mm -hmm. anyone could ever have, just so you could live and one day share, And, and, in this life and people don't understand. And I think about it every day when I, when I go out to exercise, as I did this morning, my first thought is Jesus live in me and let me live in you. Mm. Right. Let me feel everything that you do in my life. And I look, I look and I pray that the words that will come out of my mouth, the thoughts that I have will be pleasing Mm -hmm. to you. And I know that I go through the day and it's not that way. (laughs) And I think, but, but at least I'm I'm reminded, I'm here, Larry. Mm. And I know you're not perfect, because I am. Mm. <laughs> but but the reason I died was so you would have eternal life with me one day. And that's what I try to get, that's mm. what I try to live for people. Because they look that, at me and they yeah. say, you know what, you're different. I know you're different. So what is it? Yeah, um, so, exactly. So then I get a you chance to light. share. Yeah, you have so that light. Yeah, so then I get a chance to right. share. Right. Excellent. Yeah.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I have to ask this question, just because of all the years and... Uh, all the you know experiences you've had with your faith walk what would be the the i guess the top things you could convey you know to the christian person or the non-believer that's you know on the fence about it you know how's it changed your life what are the things that you could tell us you know top five well it changed yeah it changed
2: i think it, it changed that day that i met joe abraham yeah and I thought, how bold of a guy to call me and say, I look like you, let's get together. Yeah. Well, you know, it, when I was on 1100, I wasn't talking to 450,000 people in a quarter hour. I was talking to millions. Yeah, That's the biggest radio station, yeah. One of the top 25 in America, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I say to people who might be on the fence, is that, take a moment, read, you know, go ahead and read as I had mentioned. Read about in John 13 and 14, read about Jesus Christ. That's the first part of it. Secondly, go to Romans 10:9, and uh, and don't be afraid to express your faith. Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. I, I remember I had you know a lot of Jewish friends, and I don't know why. Maybe God wanted him to 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 be my pal, and yeah. maybe theirs. But I remember a, 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 my best friend who lived on my block said, "You don't believe in this Jesus Christ stuff, do you?" And it gave me an opportunity to really, right. to really express my faith. And then I always say to my to my friends, "Yeah,
1: what do you what do you
2: think is going to happen to you when you close your eyes?"
0: Yeah,
2: right. Yep. And they said, well, "We're dead." I said, "No, you will open your eyes. You will just like when you go to bed at night, That's yep. right. and you close your eyes." you don't know what's gonna happen for the next seven hours because for the most part, your body is disengaged, your brain is disengaged and you're sleeping, right. but you will wake up. Yeah. And there one day when, when God calls you home, you will wake up. And Alistair had a favorite line and I, and I love the line, and I'll never forget it. We all have a date with God and we won't be late.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's right, right, right. So
2: yeah. rather than to express a top five, all no, I say is, great. Yeah. is, is to yeah. think, just think mm-hmm. for a moment who Jesus Christ is and why he came. Yeah. Yeah. That's really important. And and I and I express that every every single day. I am so thankful. And I know people say you're going to live forever. No, I'm not. And I know that there is a Look, I'm gonna hop on a car with the two of you. There's no guarantee that we're gonna make That's it right. back to That's Joe's for breakfast. Right, 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 right. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, it, yeah. life is, can be snatched out of your body right. in a second. Sure, yeah. just, look at the, just look at the headlines every day. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the kids that went to school, what, three days ago? And there's no guarantee you're coming home. And, no. and the guy who leads our Bible study, Mickey Aquilino, says, you know what, look how many people are going to work today with mm. no guarantee they're coming home. Right? Exactly. Right. And so for those of you who are listening, I want you to know something. There's no guarantee you're coming home tonight. Right. So where are you going when you finally close your eyes? Yeah. Be prepared beforehand. As my That's good right. friend
0: used to say, live each day as if it's your last, and one day you'll be right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't like <laughs> living every day as if my last. Because,
2: but but I know that it could be. You'd yeah. Be prepared. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: Larry, we're going to be closing up in a second. Wanda or David, I don't know if you have any final comments or questions. David, yeah, you know,
1: just in line with what you were saying, I think the biggest thing for me since I've been a Christian the last ten years is my life now has meaning and purpose, and I'm not just chasing my tail, you know, going to the next thing, trying to stay busy. It's kind of the core foundation belief now. Where regardless of what's going on, you've got that faith, and I can see that in you, and just the way you spoke today. So thank you for sharing all your wisdom. Thank you, Wanda, thank do you, you have Dave. anything? No, I just okay. enjoyed having you. Please uh, don't make this your last time. Mm. Oh, <laughs> thank, thank you, Wanda. No, I won't. Because
2: because if I come out here, that means I'm going to breakfast at Joe's. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so for whatever
1: no. it takes, so we'll take it.
2: <laughs> and 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 there may be one day...
0: Some Laha Mishwe waiting uh, for me, some Sphiop.
2: <laughs> <some Sfihap. Yeah. laughs> That's well, lamb
0: and rice and eggplant yeah. where I was born. Yeah, thank, thank, so, thank you again, Larry. And uh, um, can you give me the name of the book one more time?
2: No. Uh, it, it's, the, the book is, this is Larry Morrow.
0: This is Larry uh,
2: And you can, you can Google it. And uh, the good news for you is that the book has been out eight years. And originally, it was it was selling for twenty dollars. I think you can pick it up for less than five bucks now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's called. This is Larry Morrow, uh, three dec four decades of broadcasting. and it's been a wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. Larry. Thanks for being here, um, Larry. Really. Enjoyed Dave, thank you, John. Thank, Larry. Thank, you. Thank, you. thank you. Thank you so much. Thank and Wanda, yes. what a pleasure to see that smile. Yeah. Oh, oh my! You. We can package that up and <laughs> sell it. <laughs> Great voice, and, too. Doesn't she yeah, yes, it? she does. And yeah. thank
0: you, everyone, for listening in this morning. Thank you. And. Uh, Again, you know, we're we're looking forward to guests coming in. Yeah. This is a very special guest to have Larry Morrow. Oh, a great Brock. way
1: to start the holiday season. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: maybe, maybe Larry, maybe you close in prayer. Maybe yeah, there's sure. somebody out there and, you know, yeah. like we all were, you know, and just mm-hmm. close this out in prayer this Well,
2: morning. one of the Psalms, you know, it says, Is your life filled with difficulty and temptation? Well, then be happy for when the road ahead is rough. That is the time to let your patience grow. Let it grow. Don't try to squirm out of your problem. For when your patience is in full bloom, then you'll be ready for anything. Strong in character, full and complete. And the anything I'm talking about is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. Read about him. Mm. Think about him. And think about why he came. And think about why you're here. And even more importantly, where you're going. Thank Amen. you. Amen. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you again, Wanda. You, God, God bless God. you, Larry. God bless you. you. Have a great
0: weekend, everybody.